Welcome back to another episode of the Hatchet's Weekly News Podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It. I'm Alec Rich. So there's been no shortage of news this week around GW, but perhaps the biggest story we've seen so far revolves around one word, mold. It all began last Sunday night, when Townhouse Row residents, which is 175 students, were evacuated to nearby hotels following what officials cited as, quote, environmental concerns. GW's Division of Safety and Facilities later conducted an assessment of the units and saw what appeared to be mold in two of those units. What's more, multiple residents of Townhouse Row have since sought medical attention for respiratory issues, including coughing up blood and fevers in the last week, amid reports for mold exposure. Officials have also said they'll consult environmental experts on the issue as they work on fixing Townhouse Row. But now, additional concerns about mold growth have been raised in multiple university residence halls in the last week. So this week, we're going to take a look at this story from multiple angles. First, in looking for some perspective on this issue, for some of those actually experiencing it, I spoke with roommates and current sophomores Edie Koenigs and Caitlin Underwood. The pair was relocated along with their other two roommates and cats from the Dakota to 1959 E Street following mold problems. After first taking notice of mold on or behind their microwave, the pair said they reached out to housing and facilities numerous times before receiving an inspection. Edie added that as someone with asthma, she began experiencing health problems as did some of her roommates. After first being told the space was livable, they were eventually relocated from the Dakota. You'll now hear some of the big takeaways from our interview, starting with Edie. From what we saw before they took it out, before someone actually came out, it looked like there was a whole layer of mold, like on top of the microwave. Like it, it was between the the um the bottom of the top cabinet that's above the microwave and the microwave. And um, I believe you have those photos where it's just like completely like covered in mold in which it um at least like half the microwave was covered in mold but from what we could tell it was the whole top of the microwave um and i believe the first person that came out after you called and was asking for like a time he tried telling us because it was labor day when we were trying to get them to come out so um one guy ended up coming out i think in the afternoon on monday and he tried telling us that it was grease the photos of the cabinet, it is spores and it is obviously mold. Housing decided that even after knowing that it was just not that, that they told us it was livable when there was still mold exposed. And not just livable for like any like regular people, but people with respiratory issues already. That's when they gave us it back. And after, um, I guess we had kind of started like sharing it on social media is when they started giving it back because I, if I'm like working in it, there's an issue, I wanna give them the benefit of the doubt and let them like try and figure it out. Cause I, I don't wanna like blast them if they're trying their best, even if they're not being the best. But when I saw other people start having mold issues and um, everything with the townhouse, I'm like, okay, I can't not tell people. And after that, the amount of people that that sent me like mold like on the burn in their AC like stacked with like because I half of it is like I'm gonna say like a third of it is dust but even when it's dust it's this huge like the photos I've been getting that like huge layer of dust in the AC that shouldn't be like it, it shouldn't be there it should be clean um but even with like black mold the amount of times that I've seen black mold and then with someone who is currently going through the same situation with their roommate being autoimmune and her having asthma and she's literally having asthma attacks because there's mold in the vent and she because they don't someone came in for them 
but she said that it looked like they had just painted over it. And there were a lot of people saying that they were just painting over it instead of replacing the vents in the AC because usually that's how mold accumulates is if the, um, the filter is broken. Right. And also just wanted to ask you both, I mean, clearly GW's response was insufficient here, but given that we're just at the beginning of the semester, you know, how do you feel about the situation overall? You know, has it complicated your ability to do classwork and adjust to being back in person again? It's been a ride. Um, we weren't expecting to have to be moved during the second week of school. And it was just a lot of stress because we had to do it right after classes. And it, it, we had to do it right before classes as well. And that was another thing that we got no assistance with moving whatsoever. They just said, okay, that's it, move your stuff. Um, when they had movers for, and that's the thing of, um, I don't wanna say it's like different treatment, but I understand it was probably, I mean, our, all, our mold issue was pretty bad. Um, but knowing that it was pretty, pretty bad in the in townhouse um how there was different treatment with it was like a case by case and different treatment and we always had to force them to believe us when they were quick to evacuate the townhouses so um the handling of that as well and just not wanting to do that during our second week yeah i totally agree with what Evie was saying it was just like i had to miss a class to start moving my stuff and packing my stuff up um and with the cats like they're supposed to be our emotional support animals but moving them back and forth to different places puts stress on them which also puts stress on us because we have to worry about them while also worrying about ourselves and our schoolwork and you know moving and all this all these issues so it's just like just like a snowball effect i'm just i'm frustrated because if we're paying money to the school to get an education you would think that we also would be feeling safe because of all this money we're paying them but in reality we did not feel safe at all in the place and the housing that we were paying for and I mean I feel like that's GW's like the bare minimum like the bar is low uh, just keep us safe but they couldn't even do that and it was just really frustrating and just disappointing to deal with that. Well thank you to you both for for sharing this. Yeah of course. We also wanted to gain some additional perspective from student leaders on this issue which is why I next spoke with Derek Lowe the Student Association's chairperson for Physical Facilities and Urban Affairs. All right, Derek, thanks so much for being here. Uh, my pleasure, Alec. So I first just want to get your reaction to the mold issues that have been students have been experiencing around campus and what you've been hearing from some of those affected students. Sure. Um, so it's definitely um, rather concerning uh, when we heard the news, particularly um, the timing just after uh, we got back to campus. I would say um, having talked um, with students um, with those affected, uh, it was obviously um, a very chaotic situation. And then once the news broke, making sure um, that the students um, got the services that they needed, like making sure um, in terms of the additional dining dollars that they got, about 125 per week. And then also that uh, we do have better news regarding laundry now, um, that there will be, they will be doing a wash and full service for those students. Um, in yours truly, similar to what's going on with students in Wall Washington Circle um, this year, which is a really good step. Um, but then also students um, outside of Tana, there are also been students outside Tana that have been reaching out to me about uh, potential concerns as well. And so it, we're trying to separate um, what are the like 
active mold cases and then what is you know simply uh, dirt being accumulated or cleanings that need to be be done right so and then obviously with all of us being back for the first time in, in a long time right um there's obviously more of a potential for people to get colds and things like that 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 some of the symptoms are similar to mold but they're um of what would lead to people after people have been exposed to mold right um so trying to help people understand whether they do have mold or not has definitely been um, important as well right and have you been in contact with the administration at all since the situation started to unfold yeah, so I've spoken with a few administrators. So yesterday, um, Isabel Niemann, who's the um, uh, executive secretary for campus services, and myself as chair of the physical facilities urban affairs committee in the Senate, uh, met with uh, Scott Burnotes and Rose Dunnigan, um, both from facilities, uh, to kind of um, understand where the situation is now, about like five or six days afterwards, and kind of making sure that students' needs um, are being met and that, you know, not only is the, that things are on track, right, in terms of helping get students back um, in, but make sure that potential issues going on outside of Town of Star have also been dealt with, which I would say, you know, having talked um, with Scott are very rare. Uh, you know, mold does occur in dorms. It's not, um, like a completely unusual thing. Obviously with Town Ostro was different in that it was more of a systematic issue um, as opposed to, um, you know, and every year you might have a couple isolated cases, right? But the big thing, um, and Scott underscored this, is that they need to be able to identify where the, you know, because it typically comes from, you know, where it's a leaky faucet or something like that, right? So it's really identifying what that water source is and being able to uh, fix that. So that way, if, so that way, either you stop the mold from building or you stop it from coming up in the first place. Right. And so do you think administrators have gone about addressing this situation in the right way so far in terms of, you know, not only with the town of store situation, but also those additional cases in some of the dorms as we've seen? So during that conversation that we had, um, Isabel and I wanted to seek some clarity on why it seemed like fix-its were taking a bit longer than they should be. So um, they received a significant uptick naturally after that went out for a lot of students that were naturally cautious or rather uh, concerned, including myself, about uh, whether they had, whether, because I think there were some students that were like, well, is this mold? And others that were wanting some confirmation that they don't have mold in general, right? And so that kind of led to the uptick. So obviously um, they have staff that are trained to deal with mold, and then you have you have staff that are trained more in the basics, right? And so they had to do this is you know during that conversation they had to Scott explained they had to kind of readjust and kind of form new strike teams, right, to kind of target how they go about it, and that took a little while. And um, Scott told me about yesterday they have about they've gone through about sixty percent or so of those um, fixer requests, and they hope to be able to really um, get through those into next week. So I think under the circumstance, I think, I think it's tough because obviously there have been cuts right over the last year. Or so when it comes to um, facilities, right, I feel like the, the uh, employees have been very professional um, ensuring that they can do it um, the best that they can. I will say though, in the, um, 
in when students um, sign contracts for housing, right, there is a piece about that there is a bill of rights, right, that students, there's this, things that students are expected to do and things that are expected on the administration on housing to do, right? And one of the things that is mentioned, um, which you can refer to yourself, is um, that they would inspect for mold and mildew, right? And I don't want, I'm not here to, I don't think playing a blame game is helpful, but I will say I'm a little concerned about whether that actually took place or whether that didn't take place to the fullest extent possible. Um, so that's something that, you know, I'm trying to work to kind of figure out why that wasn't the case. Right. And is this something where you think bringing more facilities workers into the fold might help address the issue? I think it does. I mean, Scott was explaining that you've had facilities employees that haven't had a day off in two or three weeks, right? That, that's right, right? I think it's you know important from us as students to recognize that the staff that work here also need time for themselves um, as well. So I would agree with you that um, hiring, you know, bringing back a lot of those facility staff that have been laid off um, is important. There are valuable members of our community. Um, and I think that's something that administration um, should consider. Derek, thanks so much. Great. Thanks, Alec. Good talking to you. Lastly, I spoke with the SA's Executive Vice President, Kate Carpenter, to get some of her insight as far as what she's been hearing around campus. Hey, Kate, thanks so much for being here. You bet. So do you think there's more that the administrators or facilities can do here to make sure that students remain safe and alleviate you know, student concerns moving forward? I think providing as much support as possible um, and listening to what the students say and their issues and then solving those issues. So I know one of the issues was laundry. Um, the students were having difficulties um, finding a laundry machine to use um, on their GWAP cards that they could use on those um, credits that we get. Um, and so I know they brought that to administration and they were able to uh, be proactive about that and get um, and solve the issue and get laundry for the students. And I think like that's an example of what they need to continue to do moving forward. Um, I do know that they're working as much as possible to be able to solve this issue, not only for Townhouse Row, but for the whole campus in general, because nobody wants their university in the news having mold that looks bad on a PR standard as for professors students waiting to come here, um, as well as just the university does care about the students. Um, they really do care about the student experience. And so I know that they are trying and working as hard as they can. Um, and so like, I will um, help them as much as I can for admin, as well as help the students. But I, I do think that um, in addition to them doing everything they can to solve the issue, just also support the students um, whenever they bring concerns and needs to the administration. I guess last is just there's anything else that you're planning to do with the SBA to help you know, displace students who you know, try to gain a sense of normalcy here as they try to go about their semester. A lot of them were obviously displaced right at the start of this thing where we're trying to get going again. So. Yeah, absolutely. So a few different things just here and there that I'm doing. Um, I do think that my administration as vice president really leans more into the experience, the student experience, giving um, giving events, giving different things to do, take their mind off um, issues like that. So I'm right now creating um, a guide to DC um, for some of the first years and sophomores that have just moved to um, DC and we're ready to adventure around. Now they had to move all the stuff. And so now they don't really have all these resources to be able to do all the things that they wanted to. So I'm working on a guide to DC because I love to venture around the city. Um, so giving them like different ways instead of them having to find what fun things to do, I do it for them, um, which is just one way to alleviate the stress that they're under right now um, and make life in DC a little bit more fun. And um, we're also going to be holding a free dinner um, to provide students with that food. I know that they um, are struggling a little bit getting food coming back to campus. So we're doing that. And then I've been helping support some of our senators write legislation 
um, resolutions to urge the administration to be proactive, um, as well as a few different things that will be heard at our um, Senate meeting on September 15th. Um, so uh, those are a few things I'm doing right now. Um, I plan to hold a live stream or a question Q&A on my story. I'm just able to hear um, the sentiment of those students that are struggling, um, staying updated with them, making sure I'm hearing all the problems and seeing if I can do anything about that. Um, so those are the things that I plan to do immediately and um, within the next coming weeks. All right, Kate, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you, Alec. Awesome job as always. Thanks to all of our guests for talking through this important issue today. Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by Alec Rich. It is produced by Sarah Sachs.